Good morning, everyone. You ready? Praise the Lord. I'm not used to using a microphone, having it in my hand. I like the headset because then I can walk around and all of that kind of stuff. Each week in this series of messages, we looked at things related to these changing times that we live in. You know, these weren't the only times that were changing. How many of you were around whenever we changed from 1999 to 2000? You remember all the hype about how scary it was going to be? Computers all over the world were going to shut down. The world was coming to an end, right? And it didn't. You know, we woke up in 2000, which is now 22 years ago. That's hard for me to believe. But we woke up and it didn't end. Everything just kept going. And there were preachers who were preaching, Jesus is coming. It's the end of the world. There were. But we know when we went from 1899 to 1900 that history shows us there was a lot of hype and a lot of fear and a lot of whatever. And history also shows we went from 999 to 1000. For some reason, these millennial changes have gotten people's attention and had everyone riled up. But we do see changing times. We are in changing times. We have never seen the amount of change as rapidly as we have watched over the last two years. We have never, in in all of history, we've never seen worldwide collaboration on change as we have in the last two years. Now, that kind of got my antennas up, okay, because I'm thinking, wait a minute, We've always seen change, but we've never seen it to the degree that we currently see it in the world today. Now, throughout this series of messages, we looked at things related to these changing times, and we learned how to preserve our lives eternally and to improve our lives. God's Word was the answer. You'll recall a few messages ago when I said, how do we do this? It's with God's Word. We make the change happen within us with the Word of God. God's Word is vital to survival in changing times. It always has been. At the time of Christ, when Christ was crucified, you want to talk about massive change. Those people that were following him said, this is it. It's over. He's dead. We were following this guy, and he's dead. Now, when he rose from the grave, again, massive change. People thought, wait a minute, it's not over. And those people became on fire, and they went out, and they told everybody, yeah, he died, but he's alive. That was massive change. It caused a lot of dissonance amongst a lot of people. All of us need to learn God's Word and live by it. And it's so easy today. We have electronic Bibles. We can turn the Bible on and it'll, it'll read itself to us. And we can read along if we want, especially on those hard words. How many of you know that there are hard words in the Bible? There's some words I've got to look at the root words and the meanings and all, or I've got to listen to somebody else pronounce them before I can actually get the pronunciation correct. It still happens to this day. Now, today we're going to examine a key promise that God's Word provides for all of us, okay? Every believer receives this promise. It's a positive promise. It's a positive message today. I know some of you think, well, sometimes pastor's messages are really downers. He's picking on me. No, I'm not. But as a watchman of God, and, and I, I look at God's Word and I say, you know, he called me to be a watchman on the wall to say, I see danger, get ready, be prepared. And as that watchman, I have to, I must, I am commanded by God's Word to give you the truth, the whole truth, not just the part that feels good every day or every time that you sit in a pew here. It's important for us to remember that this idea that we're about to receive from God's Word is an aid for us. Whether we be in calm and peaceful times or we be in chaotic times, it is our aid. It is for us. 
And as we proceed, I'm going to pray what's written in 85, excuse me, Psalms 85, 8. I pray that I will hear what God the Lord will speak. This is what's written in Psalms 85 and verse 8. I pray that he will speak peace to his people and to his saints. But let them not turn back to folly. That's my prayer for the message today. That you all would hear that God offers you peace. He offers you strength. He offers you protection. That is my prayer. But that you would not turn back, as the Scripture says, to folly. Those things that are opposite of what God's Word teaches. We're going to get started with Psalms 27. Psalms 27. And we're going to read the entire psalm, okay? I didn't mark it, and I don't have the page number. If anybody finds it before I do, please shout it out. Psalms 27. Page 854. Page 854, if you're looking in the Bibles there in your seats. Psalms 27. And this is what's written there. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. Now, I don't know. I don't think I've ever prayed that to God. But here's David telling God, don't turn your face away from me. Don't hide from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me. O God of my salvation. Do you hear him begging for God to do what he says God will do? When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. This is the word of the Lord, and I trust that he will add his blessing to the reading and the hearing of it. That psalm was written by David. David, the shepherd boy. David, the lion killer. David, the bear assassin. David, the giant slayer. David, the king. A passage found in the 17th chapter of 1 Samuel relates this shepherd boy's heart. His boldness and his faith come through this passage of Scripture, and I'm going to read it. 
And this was right as he chose to battle the giant. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. Thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord hath delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul, and I think in exasperation, said, Go, and the Lord be with thee. Go ahead, boy. Have at it. Do it. You think you can do this? Do it. He said, he's a man of war. We're talking about a giant. We're talking about a battle-scarred giant. In the 16th chapter of 1 Samuel, we hear the first recorded description of David, that shepherd boy, and it's not of a battle-scarred warrior. So he sent and brought him in. Now, you'll remember that David's father had brought all of his boys in, and none of them were suited. God didn't say that's the one until David. Now, David was ruddy, bright eyes, good looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. So don't think that God can't use you. Don't ever think that God can't use you. And then in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 42, we learn when the Philistine saw David, he looked around, he saw David, he disdained him. He disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. He laughed at him. He mocked him. This kid? You sent this kid out to, for me? Seriously? Are you serious? This, come on. A giant warrior as much as laughed and mocked David. And David there, that handsome young man with a fair complexion, he had the strength of God on his side. He obviously did not incite fear in the enemy. Okay? The enemy disdained him. He wasn't afraid of this boy. And that giant underestimated the situation. And this was a good thing. He didn't pull his face mask down. He left it up. Now, it's written in Habakkuk 2.4, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. And as I was preparing these notes, that song that we just sang, Faith is the victory, faith is the victory, Oh, glorious victory that overcomes the world. I kept playing in my mind. And all of the hymns that we sang to all of those came out of this message as I was preparing it. And I said, okay, Lord, well, if we need hymns, I'll have them. I'll have a lineup for us anyway. <laughs> and I didn't know until about five minutes before the service started that we needed hymns. Because the team tried to practice up the songs and weren't able to get it all the way. And they didn't want to uh, do it unless they did it with perfection. And, and that's what we're aiming for, folks. But anyway, that's a side note. So why is this relevant, though? Why is this relevant? Because David was fully confident, fully confident in God's power and God's strength. And what was he confident in that? That God would just keep him safe? He was confident that God would keep him safe. There's no doubt about that. He knew he was going to be protected. But he also knew God was going to destroy the enemy. See, we forget that part of the story. We forget that David was confident in God to destroy the enemy. Now, we don't always get to see the enemies being destroyed on this side of eternity. And there are many brothers and sisters all around the world right now who are suffering for their faith. 
in countries that we wouldn't even expect, like Australia, Canada. Who would have ever thought in our lifetimes that we would see brothers and sisters of Christ's family being persecuted in those countries? And yet they are. We've had brothers and sisters that were persecuted in the last two years in this land because they met in parking lots in their own cars without getting out, who were threatened with arrest if they didn't leave. Now, you cannot tell me that this is not spiritual war. I see it. And so I've proclaimed it from the very beginning. And I've been ridiculed for that by some, unfortunately. But I praise God. He made my forehead hard as granite. Yeah, I'm hard-headed. That's what I'm telling you folks, okay? And that's written in Ezekiel too, by the way. Whenever he called Ezekiel the, the watchman, he said he'd make his head as hard as granite. And he, Ezekiel wouldn't care what the others say or how they look at him. From the opening line in the 27th Psalm, we repeatedly hear David expressing his trust in Almighty God. Okay? We hear David's absolute trust in God. Listen to the first verse again. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? There are four things there. The Lord is my light. Who is the light? The Lord is my light. And the Lord is my salvation. Who is our salvation? The Lord is our salvation. The Lord is the strength of my life. And I'll ask you again, who is our strength? The Lord is our strength. And then twice he asked, whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? Now, do you think that that part doesn't apply to us also? Of course it does. If we're walking by faith and not by sight, if we're walking by the faith of Christ, then it doesn't matter what things look like, folks, because we know the Lord is our strength. And it matters not what anybody says. It matters not what anybody does. It doesn't matter because the Lord is on our side. Now, we know that David trusted and obeyed God. We just sang that hymn, didn't we? There's no other way to be happy in this life than to trust and obey. He trusted and he obeyed God. But when he sinned, things got ugly, real ugly. I heard a preacher one time, he said, David got a hitman to kill another guy. It was an army. He got an army to be the hitman to kill another because he got this other guy's wife pregnant. And he wanted to try to cover his sin. But all he did was make it worse. And sometimes we try to cover our sin and all we do is make it worse. If we would just confess our sin unto Almighty God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. And not only that. Not only do we receive forgiveness, but he cleanses us of all unrighteousness. That's what his word says. Confess, be forgiven, be cleansed. And that's a prayer that all of you can pray. Father, I confess my sin unto you, whether it's in thought, word, or deed, I confess my sin. And not only that, I ask for your forgiveness, and I receive your forgiveness. I accept your forgiveness. I am forgiven. How many of us know that when we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness? Amen? Amen. And we can learn that. We can hold on to that. David trusted. He obeyed. But even in his sin, God protected him because God wasn't done with him. And I know what that's like. I've been there. I ran from God for a long time, and I sinned in my running, and God still protected me and kept me for his purposes because he was not done with me yet. 
even though I thought I was done with him. Each of us can take those four ideas that are found in that passage, that very first passage of Scripture there in Psalm 27. We can take these and hold on to them, hold them in our heart, because they'll strengthen us just as they strengthen David. The Lord is my light. Can you say that with me? The Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. Say it with me. The Lord is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength. He's the strength of my life. We need to hold on to those ideas. We need to keep those in our heart because whenever the world assaults us, and it most likely will, one way or another, something will happen, and it'll try to take us out. And Almighty God is with us. We need to remember that. No matter what, we need to remember that. Now, in verse 3 of Psalm 27, we hear this. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. Even if war was raged against David, if war came against him, if an army was risen up against him, he stated very clearly that he was confident in God's power. He would not fear. I don't know how easy that would be, folks, if a war broke out and the army was against us how we would react. But David makes it clear. He would be confident in the power of Almighty God. Confidence in God erases fear. Confidence in God erases fear. Fear is a tool of the enemy. He tries to stop us from acting in the way in which God would have us conduct our lives because he hits us with fear. We're afraid of this. We're afraid of that. We're afraid of so many things because the enemy keeps pumping us with fear. And part of the way that he does it is through all the media sources that are available in our lives today. And I am bombarded with, I look at it, I say, whoa, wait a minute, I don't even want to watch that. I don't even want to see that. That's nothing but fear-mongering. It was bringing fear. I don't want that fear. I don't want that in me. What I want is the confidence of Christ in me. That's all of you to have. I want you to have the confidence of Christ. I want you to walk with your head up, not with pride, but in strength, the strength of Almighty God, because he's the only one that provides that strength for you. There is nothing in this world that can give you the strength of Christ, except for Christ. We look at Psalm 27 and verse 5. We hear, in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Now, we see two different things there. God protecting us, hiding us, and yet at the same time exalting us to be able to see over the enemies. In other words, to be able to understand what they're doing, to be able to recognize their plots and plans. This Hebrew word that's translated pavilion is soak. And it's a hut out of entwined boughs or branches, okay? It's a hiding place. It's a lair, covert, den, pavilion, a tabernacle. And the Hebrew word translated tabernacle is ohel. It's a strong uh, Greek lexicon defines it as a tent. And it's clearly conspicuous from a distance. In other words, we can see it. It's not someplace that's hiding, but God is hiding us, and we can recognize his provision of protection. And it's a home or a dwelling place, tabernacle, a tent. And I believe it's God's dwelling place. He protects us in his dwelling place, and he's prepared. Christ has told us he's prepared a dwelling place for us. Some translate that as a mansion, and some take that in a literal form. You know, we're going to have a human mansion, some big, huge, massive place. Well, quite honestly, it's, that's not how it's written. What's written is it's a space, it's a place. It's a dwelling place for all of the believers. David completely trusted Almighty God. He, protected, he, he did trust in God's protective covering to guard him through and from the storms of life. David trusted God. How many of us 
when faced with the difficulties of life, can turn immediately to God. That's what I want us to find today. I want us to recognize that we can, in fact, turn our lives to God. Turn to Him. Confess that we have sinned, in fact, if we have. Ask His forgiveness and receive it. And recognize that He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Now, Look at Psalm 27.10. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Now, David may have been referring to his mother and father's death. When they're no longer there. When they're no longer there to protect me. Because what is the protection that we have as children if it's not of our parents? Now, there are many children that don't understand that because their parents don't protect them. And some of us may be among those who didn't have parents who would protect us. But David said, even if my mother and my father were no longer there to take care of me, God would take care of me. He doesn't put his faith in his parents. He's putting his faith in God. God knew, excuse me, David knew that God would remain his protection. And David assigned this basic protection to God. In the 13th verse, It's written, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. This is David's affirmation of everlasting life. David's affirming, I know that I'm going to see God. I would have lost heart if I didn't think for some reason I would have lost hope in that everlasting life. I would have lost hope altogether. I wouldn't have been able to stand. I wouldn't have been able to. He said he knew that he was going to see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. And what is that if it's not everlasting life with Almighty God? In Job chapter 19, it's written, For I know that my Redeemer lives. And very often I will use this in a funeral situation. I had a burial yesterday. It was a sad situation. A 45-year-old woman died of cancer. And uh, mother was in from New Jersey. I believe it was New Jersey, and she had to get back to work. And so we had to do it on short notice. The funeral director called me and said, John, can you help me with this? And I said, absolutely. He called me on Friday. I said, absolutely. I'll be glad to help. Maybe it was Thursday he called me. Thursday. Now, the storm was coming, and he tried to convince the family, can we do this like another time because we're going to be getting this ice and snow and all this. The family said, no, we can't. We have to do it no later than Saturday. And as I conducted, I was preparing this message, and as I conducted, I remembered that passage from Job. Because very often I'll use that. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, my body, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom for I shall see for myself. And my eyes shall behold, and not another, how my heart yearns within me. He knew no matter what happened. Job knew. Now, Job, if you remember the the story of Job, this man was plagued. He had trials unlike any we've ever had. All of his children killed. All of his flocks killed. All of his property destroyed. And yet he held on to his faith, even when his wife turned and said, just curse God and die. Job said, no. No, 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 no. I know my Redeemer lives. And in my flesh, I shall see him. And we get that. When we really get it, then we can hold on to our faith. It doesn't matter what the world brings. And I know you hear me say that all the time, folks, especially in the last two years. David affirmed everlasting life. Job affirmed everlasting life. Now we move on to verse 14 in Psalm 27. And David says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he might, does it say might? What's it say? He shall strengthen your heart. Not might, not should, not can. He shall, he shall, he shall wait on the Lord and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, 
on the Lord. Do you hear David speaking the way in which we can have that courage? Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Don't give up. Be patient. Sometimes the Lord is not like McDonald's where you pull up to the window, have one of these, one of those, and the other, and you pull up and they give it to you. It's not like that with God. We've gotten so used to everything being instant that we think because we prayed that God should answer right there on the spot. And we see all through the Scriptures people prayed and the answers didn't come. I thought of, uh, of Paul. Paul had what he called a thorn in his flesh. We don't know what it was because he didn't fully describe it. All we know is that he was plagued with it. And three times he said he asked God and God said no. My, what? My, God said, my grace is sufficient for you. And sometimes we have to rely on God's grace to get through those tough situations. Sometimes, not always. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 25 and 26, we, we hear this. But if we hope for what we do not see, that's our everlasting life with God, We eagerly wait for it with perseverance. And there are many passages of Scripture that talk about perseverance. Those who persevere receive the prize. Likewise, the Spirit also also helps us, helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You know what I found interesting was that last week's message notes for the PowerPoint And this week's message came right to that same point at the same time. I can't do that. God wanted us to hear that. Wait for our salvation. Persevere in waiting, no matter what happens in the world. And in Psalm 118.6, we hear this. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And Christ himself said, hey, don't fear those who can kill your body. Fear him who can take your body and soul and cast them into hell. That's what Jesus said to fear. Don't be afraid of these people. And in Romans 8.31, it is written, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? We've all heard these words before. Have we put them in our heart? Memorize them. If God be for us, who can be against us? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. All things means even having confidence in the strength of God no matter what the storm is. And I I heard a preacher one time, he said, we're either in a storm, we've just come out of one, or we're going into one. That's life. There are storms. Look at the things that have happened here in the last few weeks. Last week, I couldn't get my microphone to work. And that's why I'm using this this week, because my batteries, as I tried it today, my batteries went dead. Like, seriously? Okay, so i got to use a handheld mic. No problem. But I'm not used to this. I, I don't know if I'm being too loud for you. I can't tell, and I'm sorry about that. It, it sounds okay? All right. I know I get loud sometimes, and I don't want to hurt anybody's ears. The Lord is on my side. I will not, will not. Does that mean sometimes? I will not sometimes fear? Does it mean I will not this time fear? But next time I will? Uh, I will not fear until it gets so bad that I have to fear? I will not fear. And we need to be the fearless ones of Christ. We need to be the fearless ones like all of those who have come before us who stood for their faith and shared their faith. We need to be fearless believers in Christ our Lord. What then shall we say to these things if God be for us who can be against us? In Psalm 46 it's written, and this is a a psalm of the sons of Korah, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Present. What does that mean, present? We're all present here today. I'm present. You're all present. 
God is present. He is a present help in times of trouble. But see, what we forget to do is turn to him. We start looking for ways to take care of the problem ourselves. I'm guilty, folks. I do that all the time. I'm looking, okay, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? What do I have to do? Because my mind is solve the problem, fix the trouble, whatever it is. That's what happened this week with this drain out here. We got to thinking about it as well. If we put a concrete blanket over there and, and we put some pallets on it and maybe some straw and we can give it a, 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 an insulation to keep that pipe from freezing again, we'll be able to use the facilities. And I did. But I believe it was the Lord as I prayed, I was fasting and praying, that gave me those insights on what to do. We need to just let it off. Okay, God, it's up to you. Tell me what to do. Instead of, I need, I need, I need. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Now, can you imagine that? He's talking about some cataclysmic stuff here, okay? The mountains be moved into the sea? I mean, think of California falling off of the United States into the ocean, okay? I mean, that's what he's talking about. Situation like that, massive change. Though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. A very present help. We will not fear. God is our help, even in situations like that. Now, we have situations that arise in our lives, and we must address those situations. There's no doubt about that. Sometimes it's a health challenge. Sometimes it's a housing crisis. Sometimes it's an automobile crisis. Can't get in the car because it's iced over, right, Sherry? <laughs> what do you do? Pray, Lord, help me. My main prayer, please help me. Simple but effective because I turn to him. I don't turn to me. I look at him. What can I do? Help me, Father. Help me. Help me. Help me. Please help me. It's written, it's written, whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? And, and then just a little further in that same Psalm 56, verse 11, in God, I've put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? And we get to where, okay, we look at people in positions of authority, for example, and I have respect for authority, don't get me wrong, but they are human beings just like we are. And sometimes they choose to do things that are wrong in the eyes of God. And still, we must face those things. And there are times when we can stand up and say, no, you need to stop. And we have people that are doing that all over the world today, and I praise God for that. But, you know, when we look at David... You say, well, that was David. You know, he's the one that God called a man after his own heart, right? God's Word describes him as a man after God's own heart. 1 Samuel chapter 13 and uh, Acts chapter 13. Surely those things can't apply to us, right? I mean, that's David. Yeah, he was a king. He was the king. I'm not a king. I'm just a man. We're in a different time. But it's written in Isaiah, fear not, for I am with you. This is God speaking to his people. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Does that mean that we won't have trouble? No. It means even in troubles, God is with his people. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20, it's written, after instructing his followers to teach everything that he had taught to them, Everything he had commanded them, our Lord reminded them that he'd be with us always, even to the end of the age. He will be with us. He is with us. We simply need to acknowledge his presence in our lives. He is ever present. Our blessing comes through faith. Through faith. Hear what's written in Psalm 84. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. But there are those in the body of Christ or in the church today who say, well, you can do whatever you want and God's still going to bless you. And that is simply not God's word. God's word is clear. 
He will withhold nothing from those who walk uprightly. But he says he'll punish people who don't. And he'll chastise his children who step off his path. And see, if I didn't give you that part, folks, and you'd go out there and think, well, God's going to take care of me no matter what I do. I can't let you believe that because that's a false doctrine. Our blessing comes through faith, trusting in Almighty God. And when we trust Him, we follow after His way because His way is the best way. Oh, fear the Lord, it's written. You, His saints, there is no want to those who fear Him. What's that word, fear? It's yareh in the Hebrew, fearing, morally reverent, afraid, fearful. Morally reverent. See, when we are reverent of God, we do have a healthy fear of Him because we know that He is the creator of all that is, was, and ever shall be, and He can flick us off the planet. And if He does that in our sin, what happens? God have mercy. Fear is moral reverence. Those who love God, revere God. Reverence produces obedience. I revered my dad. I was obeying my dad out of that reverence. It was a healthy reverence of my my own human father. Now, speaking to living human beings right there, fear the Lord, you his saints, not speaking to dead people. He's speaking to living people. David repeats ideas that are presented in our opening text. Right there. There's no want to those who fear him. I want for nothing. I want for nothing. I need nothing. If my eyes are fixed on the Lord, I don't want that newer, better, greater, whatever it is in the world that tries to allure and grab my attention. Speaking to living human beings, David makes it clear. You won't want for anything. And there's another passage of Scripture, which I did not put in the notes, that says God's people will not be begging bread. We've seen that with all the food that he's run through this place. It's unbelievable. Remember this. Therefore, do not worry saying, what shall we eat? This is what our Lord said. What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. See, there's a caveat there. Not just seeking the kingdom, but his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. And some tell us that you don't have to do anything, that his righteousness comes on you by Christ. And I understand their theology, but it doesn't line up with this. Because he tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We're to seek after it. This is what our Lord said. Remember, when the time arises, if it arises, when you're forced to choose between obeying God or human beings, that you are to obey God first above and beyond anybody else, no matter what they threaten. And my God, it's written in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. What do you need? Well, we all need food. We all need drink. We all need clothing. We all need shelter, right? And, and Jesus said, don't worry about those things. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So what do you need? You need courage. You need courage to, sh- to, to look toward God no matter what the circumstances are. You need boldness to pronounce your faith and not run from it. You need faith. And you need peace. And that peace only comes from God. It's the peace that passes understanding. What do you need? Think about it. What do you need? Because he will supply all of your needs through his riches in glory. We tend to lean toward the physical needs, right? I mean, we think about food and clothing and housing and maybe the car needs to run to get us to work so we can make the money to get the food and housing and clothing. But God's word promises that he'll supply all of our needs, not just some. In Psalm 34, 19, it's written, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Out of them all. And there are many passages of Scripture, I'm not going to go into, but there are many passages of Scripture that say we're going to be in turbulent times. 
I could be wrong, but it looks to me like we're coming into a worldwide turbulence. And we make it a time of peace because there is a passage of Scripture that tells us when they say peace, peace, suddenly destruction comes upon them. Now, some might believe they have it all under control. Maybe they have stored up plenty for the time of need. But remember, it's written, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, not to trust in uncertain riches, but to trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So we don't put our trust in those things that God has given us. Yes, God has given us food. Yes, he's given us all of our needs, but we shouldn't place our trust in those things. We place our trust in him. Remember the words of Christ regarding peace of mind in changing times. Peace I leave you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He was preaching to people who were going into a great time of tribulation, people who were going to die for their faith in him. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. No matter what kind of turmoil is raging in the world, our Lord reminds us to be not afraid. Be not afraid. It's a state of being not afraid. And where do we get our strength to be not afraid? Anybody? From the Lord. Almighty God provides the strength that we need to be not afraid. Remember those words of Christ. In Colossians chapter 3, it's written, But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful." We hear two things there that we need to hold on to. Love. Love for God and love for one another. And be thankful. Always give thanks. It doesn't matter what the things are, whatever the little things are that God does in our lives. The light turns green and we're just a minute from being late. The light turns green and we say, oh, thank you, Lord. Little thing, right? But it's important. Can't be late one more time. You've got to be on time. The light turns. Say, oh, thank you, Lord. No matter what kind of turmoil, God reminds us to be not afraid. Give thanks. Put on love. In Psalm 29, 11, it's written, The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. 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 No matter what the turbulent times are, we can have peace in Christ. As I wrap this up, I want to draw some parallels, and I want to point out some facts that relate to us, especially in changing times. As we see the enemies of God waging war all around the world against those things that are right, we can know that they're warring against God. That's the same as with Goliath. See, we're just the little Davids. And this enemy, this big monstrous enemy, battle-scarred enemy, is coming down against truth and righteousness. And God says, be not afraid. Be not afraid. Be like David. Stand for the truth. And being God's children can draw us into the battle. Because we become the target. Now, some of us will stand up and say, you know what? I'm not running from that enemy. I'm going head on, right in. Some of us would prefer to just kind of step back and say, well, if the enemy comes to me, I'll stand up. And I get that. There's lots of reasons for those things. But we need to remember to be not afraid. You must always remember that it's God's battle. The... Goliath wasn't coming after David. He wasn't coming after the the Israelites. He was going after God. The Philistines were enemies of God. And all they wanted to do was take out God's people. What do you think is happening today? It's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. And we're the Davids. We're the ruddy-faced 
not battle-scarred. I won't say good-looking, <laughs> but to God we are. And we might not incite fear in the enemy. They're not afraid of us any more than Goliath was afraid of David. But instead, they underestimate the situation because we serve the living God. Can I get an amen? Amen. Just like Goliath underestimated David, the enemy underestimates God's people. But many of God's people are cowering in fear, and we need to learn to be not afraid. Like David, we can be fully confident in the power and strength of God to protect us. Not only to protect us, but to destroy the enemy. Because he will. Whether it's on this side of eternity or the other, we know that when Christ returns, he's going to destroy the enemy. And we also know that our protection is everlasting protection. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would pour out fearlessness upon all who are within the sound of my voice, that we can recognize as your children you are always with us. Help us, Lord, to draw near to you. Help us to resist the devil. Help us to remember the words of Christ re regarding peace of mind. And help us, Lord, to know that you have left us with peace, not the peace of the world. Help us, Lord, not to have troubled hearts. Help us not to be afraid. Help us, Lord, to be not afraid. Help us to put on love, Father, the bond of protection. Your word says perfection, and it most definitely is our protection. You are love. And when we put on love, we put on protection. Help us, Father, to have your peace rule in our hearts. Help us to be thankful in all things. And we know that you will give strength to your people. You will bless your people with peace. Help us, Lord, to be not afraid as David was not afraid. And help us to know, Father, that you will win the battle. I pray all of this in Christ's name and all of God's people said, Amen.